Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. Welcome to it, folks. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. You get a chance, and you can't listen to an entire show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Subscribe on SoundCloud. Follow me on Facebook. Oh, Facebook's going downhill. I might have to get more active on Twitter or Patreon or something. There are going to be some big changes coming up in the new year. So I'm starting to think I need to live up to the branding of the show, giving voice to liberty in our time. Now, joining me tonight is Seth Spotlow. Hey, man. And I, I'm glad you're here, because I'm thinking out loud tonight. All right. I have a question. I, yeah? Patreon. What is that? It's like a, a website where you set up an account, and you could be, say, some, you know, hot girl on Instagram or whatever online, I'll send you photos mm-hmm. for a certain fee. But a lot so of you're podcasts, be a cam girl? No. <laughs> I'm not that pretty. I, I have a weird Polish nose, and I don't think as much as... It, I can work out and get all ripped and stuff, I'm still going to have this funky face. What do you be like, dude? You're, you're a, you, uh, you have it. You're I a don't. sex symbol, man. I you got the not. appeal. Well, then I'm very uh, self... Uh, conscious and if somebody i have insecurity problems but let's not get into that patreon okay is a place for anybody providing a sort of service a lot of podcasts do it essentially it's subscribers people will contribute to you say nine dollars a month five dollars a month different levels and to do what you do like i want to hear more shows or you can say pay me a special amount and i'll do a special thing (laughs) <laughs> like a special shout out, all these sort of things, and different artists and podcasters and people use it. Oh, you reach okay. folks, and then you know what Twitter is. And yeah, I'm just trying to think of alternatives of getting the word out. Yeah, man, not Facebook. Facebook is a terrible, terrible thing. Well, it's it's overrated. Yeah, and it's it's a lot of scrolling. You know what I've? I mean, I kind of got yes. back on it a little bit, and the, if you fast scroll. Yeah, the mindless scroll, though, is not good. Oh, it's terrible. Take it off your phones, folks. Yeah. Take it off your phones. Don't do it. Like, I'm sending mixed messages, though. <laughs> Subscribe to me. Follow me on Facebook and take it off your phone. But no, I'm, I've been doing some thinking, some soul searching. Like, I've, I've been burnt out on the whole political thing for a while. Like, I bring it up and I keep saying that. But I'm trying to th- go through a change where it's like bringing a positive message of human liberty, human dignity, free minds, free markets, local community and engagement, and enjoying liberty in a sense beyond politics. And that's what I'm, of course, going to keep doing. We'll have shows where we're just talking about life. 
Yeah. We're talking about love and family and the hard times and tragedy and suffering. We'll talk about all that stuff because once you have some sort of freedom, the worst thing for some folks is, oh, I don't know how to use it. <laughs> and does it mean that life will always be wonderful? No, of course not. Of course not. But I'm thinking I'm, I'm going to have to become a little more uh, hard-nosed. And I don't want to be too much of an ideologue, but everybody on talk radio is, aren't they? Uh, yeah. But here's my point that's got me worked up. I was talking about it last night. And then seeing the reaction today and thinking through the actual arguments being made in the face of this president, Donald Trump. He, again yesterday, announced that he wants to pull troops out of Syria immediately. There's a report that just came out later today. U.S. weighs significant troop drawdown in Afghanistan. And because of that, James Mattis, the Secretary of Defense, is resigning. He'll be done in February. And he wrote a letter, James Mattis did, quote, right to have a Secretary of Defense whose views better align. So essentially saying, I disagree with the president on so much, it's not right for me to serve as Secretary of Defense. And it makes you wonder, given the timing, is Mattis very upset, or at least he disagrees vehemently with Trump wanting to pull down troop levels in Afghanistan, pull the troops out of Syria. Maybe it's a reason. That, that, excuse, you know. That, that might be an excuse like he wanted to retire yeah, anyway. Yeah, anyway. And it could be a long time coming that he always thought the president was unconventional. Who knows? <clears throat> but my point of view is, thank God for President Donald Trump on this one issue. I'm not somebody who buys into this whole cult of personality crap. That's for, like, artists. Like, I love listening to Prince, as everybody knows. I'm sure you have some, like, idols. Oh, yeah, man. Right. Yeah. So th that's for stuff that isn't, like... Like, okay, I might get a little too obsessed with Prince or Led Zeppelin. Like, we came into the show tonight with Achilles' last stand. Ugh. It's so... It's, and Zeppelin's awesome. Like, the, the breakdown of that song, the... Oh. oh. Just the beginning, man. And the climb up into the guitar solo. It's great stuff. And maybe you get too obsessed with one type of music where you become a snob. I've, I've done that. Where I it's am. like, nothing is as good as Led Zeppelin. Nothing is as good as the stuff in the 90s. Right. <laughs> See, but I've tried to open up to where it's like, okay, I can listen to the Ronettes and Vinny Kissed Me, and then I can listen to Iron Maiden two minutes later. That's, uh, that's how Joey does it. You like what you like? Yeah. <laughs> I like what I like, and I like a lot of things. But it's, uh, I think it's dangerous to idolize politicians too much. I think it's healthier. And I get that people have to pick a side if you're really in the thick of politics. You don't have to, but most people pick a side. But with presidents in particular, we idolize them too much. While not, it, and when we do that, it either means we hate them a lot or we love them to death. We always have to praise them, or we always have to criticize them. And I think that makes us almost incapable of having a good discussion on whether or not a given president's policy is sound. Now, some of this will be ideology. Some of it's Republicans want lower taxes, Democrats want higher taxes, these sort of things. 
but on foreign policy in particular, it is such a judgment call and an art. And it is something that I think is, it's almost an autopilot in this country, Seth, where Donald Trump was clearly elected to not get us into any more stupid wars, as he called them. He's railed against wasting trillions of dollars, losing thousands of lives. And that's just counting American lives, which we shouldn't just count American lives. We should count pretty much all lives. Though, we should definitely count the terrorist lives. Because uh, it's fun to get a kill count. It's like, how many of those <laughs> bastards have we killed? So I'm not up here as some namby-pamby, I don't want to kill terrorists. But we have to be wise about how we use the U.S. military. Especially given what we've learned the past two decades. Think about this. For your your mid-30s, I just turned 30. For most of our adult lives, you and I have experienced a country at war abroad. Now, it's not like the war like our grandparents maybe experienced like in World War II. Not Vietnam. It's not even Vietnam where, you know, people are being drafted. And I've heard whispers of that, and folks, we can argue about it, but I think bringing back the draft will not make the country better off. It will not. Uh, If you believe in liberty, uh, it will not make the country better off. They call it selective service now? Yeah. I was in the post office two days ago, and I saw one of the sheets, and I was like, whoa. And they wanted to add women to it. Because women are voluntarily serving in the armed forces. They want to add women to the draft. Hey, man, to each his own. I suppose. Uh, It's just, here's my point. It is an ultimate sacrifice, a gift to the country when somebody goes out there. Whether or not you agree with the policy, the principle of somebody's character to be willing to lay down their life for something they love is honorable. And to say that's an ultimate price and a gift, yes, if they gave it. Can you... That's not an ultimate gift when you force them to go do that. So that's my basic argument against the draft. But just hear me out, folks. Here's how things get changed in this country. Because we do form policy by media freakout. The latest evil of the day. It's like soup of the day. Except you don't eat it, you're scared by it, and you say, hey, U.S. government, bomb it. Instead of the latest freakout, we should be looking at long-term consequences. And here's just an example. We got into Syria. Do you remember when we got into Syria? Were you paying attention at all? Uh, man, I have. Uh, man, that's got to be nice, actually. It, it kind of is. And I apologize for like bringing this up when it's just you and I here. But no, we're good, man. Teach me something. It's, what, it's on my mind. And I want to do more of this because yeah, I'm, I really am serious about getting back into politics, especially on this issue of foreign policy and war abroad, a war for most of my adult life. So in 2014, Barack Obama does a little speech in the Rose Garden, and he says, we're going to take on ISIL and uh, Iraq and Syria. Some would say that's because you know ISIS becomes so powerful because Obama pulls troops out of Iraq too early. Uh, in a way, they're correct, but yes, that's one thing that is a problem. It's like the match that set off that house full of rotted wood and asbestos. Yeah, 
okay. Yeah, okay. It's yes. The Iraqi army was not ready. It was corrupt. Imagine that. But that's a lesson for today. So because of Obama pulling troops out of Iraq, ISIS grows. And but then what also happens, and this is where we gotta just not look at one side of it. What you remember the Arab Spring. So Egypt's president, Mubarak, is overthrown. And the Muslim Brotherhood comes into power. They are then overthrown by the Egyptian military, which is friendly to the United States. There's Libya, the Arab Spring in Libya. Gaddafi is overthrown. And the United States and Obama and Hillary Clinton are cheering this on. That's where, you know, Benghazi comes from. Ambassador Stevens gets killed a year or so later. And out of all this, you're seeing in Libya, more terrorism groups are popping up. That part of North Africa. That also in Egypt, there's this big scare. Oh, no. Maybe instability isn't great. And Obama in 2014 says, okay, even though I pulled troops out of Iraq, I got to send them back into Iraq. But he didn't just send them back into Iraq. He said, hmm, we also have to send them into Syria. So Iraq's been pretty much taken care of. There are American troops stationed there right now. It's sort of been tamped down. The whole idea that Iran's running the country, though, well, that's another lesson for another day. Great job! Wonderful job, George W. Bush. And it's not just W. It's all these advisors. These same people still have jobs and talking today. Great job handing over Iraq to Iran. Wonderful job. And that comes up later. But Obama, in 2014, the speech in the Rose Garden says, we have to now, using our air power, strike ISIS in the heart of their blossoming, budding caliphate in, I believe, Raqqa, which is in, I think, north east Syria. It's in, the, it's in the northern part of Syria. And so the whole idea of us getting involved in Syria is let's kill the terrorists. Let's kill ISIS. This is after an American is beheaded. Terrible video. Y'all, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I remember that. <laughs> right. You remember the snuff film. Uh, yeah, right? I remember that. Ooh. So people are outraged. They're freaking out. This is barbaric stuff. You know, even though Saudi Arabia beheads people all the time. It's an American. And he was like, it's gruesome stuff. So no wonder people are emotionally, like, we got to do something about this. So even Peace Prize Obama goes in and says, we're going to start bombing the crap out of these. Well, he, he probably more said, working with our coalition partners on the ground, uh, we're assessing our kinetic activities in the region in order to take out uh, ISIL. Yeah, this, and so the rationale is we have to take out ISIS. Fast forward to four years, today. ISIS is almost estimated, not quite. But as Trump announced, he wants to pull the troops by the way, Trump's no softy on this stuff. He's very hard on this stuff. He sent troops in, 2,000 troops, along with other advisors. The UK and France's troops there. They kicked ISIS' ass. They bombed the hell out of them. They're almost gone. Almost. Almost, almost gone. And that's where I don't necessarily, I don't trust even the news reports that favor my argument. It's kind of like, I'm not there. I don't know what's actually happening on the ground. So you would think, though, if ISIS is almost gone, yeah, bring the boys home. 
But the Mattis is resigning. The people in the Senate are normally Trump allies, Lindsey Graham and Marco Rubio, and and then people on the left, like the the technocratic sort of center left Democrats, are all critical. Is he's now a puppet of Russia? This is just another example of how he's Putin's well something holster, as Stephen Colbert said. And it makes me go, wait, 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 wait. I thought we got into Syria to kill ISIS. And let's say the generals are saying Trump's being hasty. You're, you're being hasty, Mr. President. Just give us a few more months. We'll completely eradicate ISIS. And then we can bring the guys home. So let's say, folks, for the sake of argument, say for the sake of argument, that Trump changes his mind tonight. And he... He's like, okay, the troops, the 2,000 troops can stay in Syria. You guys are right. You're right, Lindsay. You're right, Rubio. Little Rubio, little Marco. Don't, don't forget that I big boyed you in the presidential campaign. You hit me on my hands. Why would you hit me on my hands? Look at these hands. Look at, I guarantee you there's no problem. Okay, little Marco? All right, big Don. <laughs> so let's say he buys into this. He, uh, you know says, okay, yeah. We gotta keep the troops there. Until ISIS is done. But no, actually the uh, there's more reasons now. It's not just the terrorists. And this is what keeps happening. It's like, I thought after 9-11 the goal was to kill the terrorist. Bring justice and vengeance to the people that killed thousands of Americans. Make sure that horrible, violent, militant ideology cannot strike and hurt us again. And yet we keep getting distracted. It's like, yeah, let's kill Al-Qaeda, but mm, let's take out Saddam Hussein too. Mm, Let's kill Al-Qaeda in Iraq and Syria, but mm, let's also take out Mubarak and Gaddafi. And let's try to take out Assad, too. Here, I want to read from a piece I read earlier. Nationalinterest.org. Again, it began in 2014. President Obama walks to this podium in a primetime address to explain to the American people that The bloodthirsty brutes of ISIS need to be rolled back and vanquished. So Washington would leverage its overwhelming air power and pound ISIS from the sky. Pound them indeed. Meanwhile, on the ground, local anti-ISIS units like the Kurds and the free Syrian people or whatever would simultaneously recapture the ISIS territory, depriving the Islamic State of oil revenues and all sorts of things, eliminate its leadership. It makes sense because, again, those Americans were beheaded. But here's the thing. Four years later, the objectives have changed to a near unrecognizable level. The roughly 2,000 U.S. troops are not only terrorist hunters. I think we can all agree, folks. I, you know, maybe it's pissing off my libertarian <laughs> friends. Maybe I'm, I'm, just for the sake of argument, I'm saying, yeah, let's kill the terrorists. Just for the sake of argument. But it's not just their role now to be terrorist hunters. They also have to be anti-Iranian bulwarks. They have to stand up to the Iranian influence, which, by the way, the same folks saying we have to stay are the ones who advocated for us to go into Iraq and gave it to Iran. If you think about it, Iran is right here. Mm -hmm. To the west of Iran is Iraq. And to the west of Iraq, especially in the northwest corner, is Syria. 
All right. And so now that Iran, we took Baghdad. That was a majority Sunni city. And after Saddam is over and done with, the Ba'athist party that he represented is destroyed. Baghdad has turned into a majority Shiite city, which is the brand of Islam practiced in Iran by the Persians. So Iran is now essentially, their militias are all over Iraq. They pretty much run Iraq. So now the worry is they're going to be able to easily have a land bridge into Syria. Never mind that for the last 40 years, Syria and Iran have been allies. It's just now a big bad thing. But anyway, we're not just there to kill ISIS, folks. We're also there to stand up against Iran, defend the Kurds, and be peacekeepers between the Kurds, Turkey, Russia, Assad, Iran, Saudi Arabian interest, Israel, and that's what this little group of 2,000 troops is doing. We've been used as pawns in a violent chess match that is Syria. Ordered to do everything from patrols in the northern Syria, north of Syria, to keep the Turks and Kurds separate, to being placeholders along the Iraq-Syria border to make sure Iran can't have that land bridge. And, oh, by the way, all of this was done because Obama said so and Trump said so. When it's clear in the Constitution that when you make war like this, and yes, it is war, we have military men, special ops there, using artillery and airstrikes and guns of all different stripes to kill people and blow things up. That's war. Congress hasn't authorized it at all. You want to talk about the deep state? This is the deep state. This huge system, military and economic interest that does what it wants and then asks permission later. It just, I I find it very frustrating because I think Trump's doing something that the American people have asked for for a long time. Bring the guys home. Bring the troops home. Let's build our own country, not other countries. Let's stop being the policemen of the world. And the, the freak-out campaign. Like, when I walked into this building and I saw people's television screens with the news on, and every screen, no matter what network, is some asshat politician. Oh, this is why President Trump's wrong. It's just Marco Rubio's stupid fat baby face up there. And I know baby faces, I have one. Yes, you do. And you're right. I mean, every, every channel every day is saying something negative about him. No matter yeah. what he does, can't win for losing. And I just think the president has done a magnificent job suggesting this. And I hope he sticks by his guns. Because here's my question to the folks out there saying you can't leave vacuums. I'm well aware that if you remove U.S. power from certain parts of the world, you leave a power vacuum. I'm taking that into account when I'm suggesting this policy decision. Yes, power vacuums will exist. It'll be filled by Russia and Iran and Assad and Turkey might invade. And it'll be an utter mess. At this point... As far as my safety, my liberty, the safety and liberty of my fellow American citizens, I don't care. Bring them home. Let it go to hell. Because I'm telling you and I'm asking you folks who want the troops to stay there, 
What happens if they stay there? And I'll even grant they stay there for another few months and ISIS is completely destroyed. What then? Now that the clear goal of why we're in Syria to begin with is over with, ISIS is gone, what then do you want to do with those 2,000 troops? Just keep them there permanently? Again, in the middle of Assad, Russia, Turkey, Iran. What's your goal here? What's your end game? And I think they know their end game. But they don't want to talk about it. And this is why we should declare wars by having robust debate in Congress. We should have clear objectives to these wars. You know, what really struck me, Seth, is we're forgetting the greatest generation, I think. There's a clip I play often on Dan's show. It's Ronald Reagan. It's got, you know, Lee Greenwood. I'm proud to be an American. Oh, yeah. I love all that Reagan stuff, man. Oh, those clips are awesome. Yeah, it's real Americana crap. And I say crap lovingly. I like this stuff. I do. As much as I'm a malcontent, I I still get a little riled up and patriotic with that stuff. It's kind of crap because he was an actor, but it's great because it's true. Well, I think that was to his credit. He was good at speaking. He was good at it. Here's my deal. Is that speech, it's Reagan with the Lee Greenwood underneath it. And Reagan's talking about, and to his credit, as somebody who can really deliver a message. He was a great communicator. He talked about four times in my lifetime we've been at war. And it's a terrible waste of lives. Let's create a peace so strong we never have to add any more crosses to our cemeteries or lower those flags. It's a sort of respect for war that only people that have fought in total hell can really understand. And there's, of course, people who've served recently. They disagree just as much as anybody, I think. But to my surprise, as I've gotten to know people who have served in the recent wars, there's a lot of them who want to bring people home. The longer we're there, the more we lose. Think about it. There are people... Afghanistan, we've been there 17 years going on 18. That is nuts, man. We'll have a permanent installation in Iraq. Like what? Do we want to keep just troops all over the Middle East in the same way we've kept troops now for 70, 80 years in Korea? In Japan, which will lead to another as China rises, that's a whole other puzzle to solve. And hopefully people are already drawing out their bets. Maybe it's hopefully it's not a Deadpool when it comes to Korea. Will Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump continue to be friends? Or will they nuke each other? It's complicated. But I'm tired of this sort of vague in-game perpetual war. And any suggestion that we stop on this crash course is destruction, terrible things. Destruction and terrible things are going on now. Bring them home. Let's rebuild this country. And build up a defense to where nobody will mess with us. 
I agree, man. I've lost. Fr- I've had friends go and come back, and I've had friends go and not come back. They didn't come back. Yeah, and I mean, a little guy that I I grew up with, you know, he was yeah. five, six years younger than me, little dude. And then when he got a little older, old enough to go, he went, and he wasn't there for two weeks. And, yeah. Was it like an IED? Or yeah, or um, uh, a missile or something hit oh. while they were eating. Um, ooh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It must have been like maybe a mortar rocket or man, something Man, like terrible. And I mean, I, I've had guys that uh, they went for a couple of years and they came back and they were just never the same. Yeah. And people can say it's globalism and, you know, we want to, they're trying to fight for a pipeline in Syria. I, I think it's more than that. I think that, that's definitely going on, like all these different economic interests I mentioned earlier. And I think it's bigger than an ism. Um, I mean, it's sort of my opinion, and I'm getting in the weeds here, but... Uh, I don't think the the liberal international order was ever really this like global. The UN, uh, the World Trade Organization, all these big organizations aren't really international bodies. Or I'll put it this way: remove the United States from the United Nations, remove the United States from the World Trade Organization, remove the United States from the International Monetary Fund. Just have the United States say we're not playing ball on any of these international forums. What good are they then? Now they might be a good place where people can come and talk and, and talk and talk some more. But the point is, it's not a liberal international order that's really ever existed. It's kind of like the old joke: the, the Roman Empire was neither Roman nor an empire. The liberal international order was never really liberal. It often leads to illiberal things. It's never really that orderly because there's been a lot of war. Not total war like in the world wars, but there's been a lot of war in this sort of orderly thing. And half the time it's not even really international. What we've really had is, I think, generally, hopefully, hopefully a force for good is American imperium, American empire. And I, I don't, I don't look at Americans and say shame on you. I'm not one of these folks who wants to dress everybody down and moralize. Just saying, we've gotten to this point with this complex system where we sort of need to look in the mirror, really reassess, and I think the urge to press forward uh, will be our downfall. It's kind of like the confident guy who's always been successful and. He's realizing that, or he doesn't realize that he's getting a little too old. Yeah, you got to back away when you got to back away before it's too late. We can we can still be the most powerful, inspiring nation on earth. And this isn't all because of Syria. Syria is just a symbol. It's a symbol. What do you want, America? Do you want clear goals and objectives where we defend ourselves and we fight for liberty, or? Are we going to be sort of this weird global cop that takes both sides of multifaceted civil wars? We've done it. Most of the time, it doesn't really work that well. I don't think that's what the American people want at the end of the day. And God bless President Trump for having the balls to stand up to people that probably Donald Trump isn't intimidated by many people, is my guess. He's probably intimidated by, you know, three-star generals. I think he probably 
picked James Mattis to begin with because Mattis is a very intimidating guy. Mattis is hardcore man. You remember what Mattis quotes are? Um, he's got a few where he's like, when you always have a plan to kill everybody in a room or somebody like everybody you meet. <laughs> like he's a man hardcore. That's it, man. There's all sorts of stories, and I wish Jim Mattis well. I again, I'm I'm trying not to get into this. So like you know, damn you if you don't agree with my ideology. We are in this together. And I'm just hold on to your butts, folks, uh, as the opening of the show says. We're going to have fun, but as we end this new year, I'm going to start taking this crap really seriously in terms of politics. I don't feel as burnt out anymore. Good. Say. You've been saying you were for a long time, and I'm glad you, you kind of gotten over it. And I don't. I feel rejuvenated and a little inspired. Isn't that nice when that happens? It is. It's very nice. But when we come back, I want to get off this. I want to talk about, you know, you were over at my place on yeah. Sunday, right? Yeah. And I want to talk about what we uh, watched a little bit, what you thought of it, and then see where the conversation goes from there. Cool, man. Enough monologuing for tonight. Hey, I'm down. I learned something. Be Whoa, back. I know where Syria's at. Be back in a second. Joey Park. Joey Clark. Quick hit, fun story. Baltimore did a trying to get some guns off the streets recently. All right. They did a gun buyback program. Bring in your guns, citizens of Baltimore. We'll pay you money. So one woman, uh, kind of a, I would say, a little bit older black woman. The black don't crack, so you never know, you know. Uh, Tell me she had an armory. Uh, she she went and she turned in and sold her 9mm to the government of Baltimore. And then a news reporter asked her, what are you going to do with the money? She said, buy a bigger gun. <laughs> <laughs> you got to. Oh, that's great. Especially in Baltimore. You need a gun. Yeah. I mean, hey, come on, man. I love this wonderful town, but you got to be prepared. People are terrible. Right, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> that story tickled me earlier. Mm. And it's been a good week for those of a libertarian bent. Like, we had criminal justice reform, the First Step Act, you got Trump pulling troops home and at least wanting to. I mean, there's a lot of good things happening. I like it. I like it, but... It's Sunday. You came and you hung out at our place. It's We've downsized a bit. We, I mean, it's a little cramped, wouldn't you have to say? No, it's not bad, man. But it's not bad. No, it's, it's When good. you know what my priority is, television and audio. Oh, yeah, well, I mean... Video and be, audio and video, you know. You're dudes. Yeah. Single dudes, you don't have to, man. Exactly. Nah, ain't got to be perfect. Well, and, like, have you seen the meme going around where it's like a, like a lazy boy and a television... And, like, dudes seriously think it's okay to live in an apartment like this? Like, that's it? It is. It is just fine. It's just fine. The well, key is pictures. Yeah. 
Well, that makes it seem a little more lived in. I, I mean, agree. We had that. We have a huge picture. Yeah, you have one a, massive, a massive painting. <laughs> one massive painting. Yeah, and it's great. It's a little messy, and there's really nice like uh, extra accessories everywhere that match. Yeah, you know, there's like a oh, lamp yeah, over a here. Lamp, and, and we've got our turntable hooked yeah. up, and big old Kenwood speakers, and I got to meet the famous. Big and fuzzy red booty booba. Buddha, Buddha. Oh, yeah, because Gimli was visiting. I was taking care of him for his, my brother. He's gone now. Aww. But, yeah, uh, Gimli, the red and fuzzy big booty Buddha, he was hanging out with us. And what did we watch? We watched wrestling. A little bit of wrestling. That was awesome. You I... should have stayed for the last match. Man, you kicked me out. I didn't kick you Your out. Your old grandpa butt was passing out. I looked over uh, there. Yeah. And yeah, but I woke up because <laughs> the last match was epic. Did I leave at the last match? Yeah. Room? Golly. And it was uh, it was Charlotte Flair. Oh. Her dad. Becky Lynch, the man. And Asuka. Asuka. <sighs> Kind of have a crush I on see Oscar. her. Man, I... Uh, she's a little Japanese chick. We talk about her. My phone heard it. Now she's all over my phone. Oscar. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Your microphone picked it up. Oh, yeah. My, my phone does that. It's it's following us. Now, now, be honest. What did you think? I loved it. I think it's great, man. It reminds me of um, high school. And the wrestling is just... You know it's fake, but it's cool because it's like, ah, yeah. And then some of that stuff is real hard and technical. And sometimes sure. they screw up, and it yeah. looks terrible. Yeah. But they got to play it off because they're <laughs> actors. Yeah, we did notice, both of us noticed, it was uh, Ray Mysterio Jr. against Randy Orton. And Randy <laughs> sort of sold the his head going into the chairs a little too much. Yeah, man. Mm, yeah. But, I mean, it's hard for a three-foot dude to throw down a six-and-a-half-foot dude. Right. Right, I know, but it, it's fun. It was, it was great. enjoyable. It's I just I love that stuff. It's it's a way for me to sort of unwind and just enjoy something. And it's a whole other world for me to learn about. I I not only watch it like oh it's entertaining. I like the match. It's more like I'm thinking about what would it be like to not just be a wrestler but be like a announcer or a commentator. Like it's a big almost stage production. It's really. It's fascinating to me. It's like a soap opera. It really is. It's uh, it's like soap opera and live acting and athletics and all sorts of things at once. Uh, pretty fascinating. And uh, it's been a big influence on me recently in the way I kind of view how people persuade, how people piss other people <laughs> off. Um, it's, it's The psychology of it is brilliant. And the fact that the President of the United States is a member of the WWE Hall of yes. Fame, that he hosted a couple of the early WrestleManias, like this is, I mean, it's interesting, to it's, say the least. It's been so long, and everything is so different and so yeah. much more gaudy than it used to be. I'm just like, wow. Well, and by the way, shout out to Mike, who's listening, saying good show, and uh, that you speak the truth. Well, I speak my opinion, Mike. And I hope it's the truth. Uh, truth is rarely pure. Hey. Or, yeah, and never simple. Truth is rarely pure and never simple. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to get back to, to my roots, you know, man. To my roots, man. Well, because I, it's not so much that I think I'm right. I mean, of course, I do like everybody else thinks they're right. But it's more like I think this is the best basis, the best foundation in terms of politics. I'm not talking about religion and those sort of things. But I think liberty is clearly the best foundation and has given us something really special in this country. And it's complicated, it's messy, uh, it's not a perfect history of the nation. Freedom of choice. Freedom of choice is, is key, but uh, freedom of conscience, freedom to believe, 
for him to speak your mind. I think getting back to this idea of, of individual freedom and respect for others is crucial. Uh, crucial to our future here. But. People are losing the respect for others. Yeah. Can I tell you why? Why? It killed me so bad. The other day, I was in the store, and I was... I used to think that it was killing just the young ones. You know okay. what I'm saying? Sure. Well, I'm in the Dollar General, not in the best neighborhood, but I'm standing there, and for the second time that week, somebody cut in front of me and didn't even care. This dude was like 70, and I was yeah. standing there, and he... Boom, right in front of me. You're just saying it's old guy privilege? No, I'm saying... Did you say anything? Did say I, anybody I, else say anything? No, man, I was in. I was not in the best neighborhood, oh. but it was an old white dude, and he totally got in front of me, and he was like 70, and I was like, because that's a... Like, back in the day, you know, you were just respectful. Oh, okay, hey, it's your turn. You go ahead, you know? Right, but you made you angry. You oh, cut in line. Man... Yeah, we learned that as kids. Yeah. Cut in line. Yeah, and I was like, if it, if you were some buck little punk, I'd be like, all right, maybe, right, you know, right, mama right, didn't right. teach him. I'm like, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. Oh, right. Yeah, it's the basic respect. Yeah. I mean, luckily, I haven't had much of that lately. Like, when I'm out and about at the grocery store or something, I've not had anybody. I mean, there are moments in life where you look at how other people live, and you go... How? How do you live this way? And it's also, in a way, it's annoying, but I've tried, I'm on this kick where if I see somebody living their life in a certain way, and my initial reaction is to be angry or annoyed or whatever, uh, that it's different than how I live. I try to take a step back, because I do really act like that, like most people, and go, well, actually, it's a good thing. As long as they're not hurting anybody else, it's like, well, maybe there's something to how they're living that I don't agree with that might work out in the long run. Uh, maybe there's something to this. And maybe you need people that are incredibly talkative. And maybe you need people that are... And sometimes when I see what people care about, and maybe that's... I'm throwing out a lot of maybes, but when I talk about wrestling and people roll their eyes, and oh, not this crap again, well... I'm serving a vital purpose, and you serve yours. Maybe you're real big on Christmas decorations and going nuts with it. That's your prerogative. I'm not going to decorate my house, especially not with Christmas lights on the outside, but I appreciate the people who do. Yeah, they don't say, you knock know, it until you try it. You might love it. Maybe when I get up to a certain different place in life, I'll be the guy out there on the ladder telling anybody who offers to help, no, I'm doing it by myself because I like doing it by myself. I like accomplishing this ridiculous feat of putting lights on every square inch on the outside of my home, all right? Sounds like fiancé when he builds something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, hey, 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 take it easy, man. Take it easy. It's, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying not to be as annoyed with people. Like, try to under, you know, be more understanding. You know, be benefit of the doubt, but... That is just unacceptable. Don't cut in line. I agree. There are rules. Yeah. The basic things. Like, did you feel like George Costanza? We live in a society, people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I stared through that dude. I was looking down and... Wait, you don't really strike me as a Christmassy guy, though. No. You're not? No, no, no. Why not? I just, I mean, uh, from like Thanksgiving to Christmas, it, like the holidays right there. Brings you down? Yeah, it's just, it's always been kind of rough. You know? I'm, I'm that way, too. Especially recently, but... Um, and I ended the show this way last night. I'll end it again this way tonight. Is when you see somebody who's really going through life, uh, real tough stuff. I was reading a great piece on It's a Wonderful Life, that flick. 
Um, actually, behind the scenes, Jimmy Stewart uh, played George Bailey was uh, going through an identity crisis of his own. He was burnt out on acting. Uh, so much so that they actually had to talk to him. And in contrast, the director, Capra, is like at the height of his powers. And it ended up making a, being the perfect balance for the movie because that movie, even though it's called It's a Wonderful Life and everybody remembers like Zosu and Zosu's battles and angels getting their wings and all this crap. Uh, there's a very dark undercurrent to that movie. I think a lot of people understand. It's why it's maybe become a favorite. Is it's tough when life, even when life should be wonderful, like you got all the rights, you got the house, you got the beautiful smoking hot wife, you got the lovely kids, you've done your good deeds for all sorts of people, you help them out, and yet at the end of the day, when you lay your head down on the pillow, you feel like, why am I doing this? I get no respect, or at least doesn't seem that fulfilling. It. There's something about it when you endure through those moments and those moods. Usually you'll come out on the other side of life and you'll find, well, number one, this is, there's a reason why you dedicate yourself to it. You really did enjoy it. And it's worth it. It's a tough time, man. Change always comes, man. I mean, you just be patient enough, it'll come. And if you know anybody or you see anybody that you think is feeling bad, all you have to do is say something. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is not saying anything because that one little thing that you did say could possibly change their attitude and you will never know it, minus the fact that you can say to yourself that you did say something to them instead of not saying something. One, if, if anybody is out there thinking, what's the point? flirting with this idea that life is meaningless. Uh, you're just feeling down in the dumps. Just know that, no, your pain means something. Uh, and, and your joy, you're allowed to be happy, too. Like, life, is, it's something I struggle with for the longest time, but life is incredibly meaningful. It may not always be a wonderful life, but it's always a meaningful life. Yeah. And to sort of walk, sleepwalk through it is one of the biggest mistakes. And if you have like I have at times, you can always wake up from that. Wake up from that sleepwalk and see that even if you're down in the dumps, it, if you can grab on this means something, it's worth something, it can drive me towards something better or more interesting, it's definitely worth it. And, you know, it doesn't always have to be something profound or flowery. Just a little thing. Yeah, one of my favorite writers, H.L. Minkin, he's like, you know what keeps people alive, especially the depressed malcontent? It's simple little crap, little things. Like, is the somewhat attractive woman at the front desk of my building, is she going to be wearing that white dress again? <laughs> you know how uh -huh. it's... And so, to your point, Seth, if you know somebody maybe looks a little down and out, say something. You were telling me the other night, uh, we're pretty much out of time here, but that your daughter, Rose, really picked up on somebody who looked down and out. Oh, she called that guy store. out. From the other side of the store, and yeah. she was like, I want to go see hi to him. And I was like, What? <laughs> and we sure did. And we went over there, and I said, Dude, she's waving you to death. And he's like, Hey, man, he was huge, 300 pound dude in the meat place. And he said, Man, I, I just got divorced. Mm. Uh, my All the women around me are just digging at me, and I really needed this. He was like, Thank you. She saw it coming. Mm, little girl yeah. was able to see through that. I gave her a high five, it. and I said, Way to go. That's awesome. Well, you and baby mama are doing something right there, man. <laughs> no, seriously. Hey, man, hey man I'm trying. Yeah.
Thank you. Uh, so, folks, still pissed about some foreign policy, but we can do the right thing here. And I'm excited about the new year. Don't feel quite as burnt out. It'll be fun. Yeah, man. Make more friends. Yeah. But we'll keep the old friends, too. Woohoo! <laughs> I'll be back tomorrow night. We'll have some fun on a Friday.